The following message is brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. To learn more about the Ezra Institute's mission to advance the Lordship of Christ, please visit www.ezrainstitute.ca. All right, let's get her started. It's the culture war. The warriors have assembled. Here we go. We're good to go on Tuesday mornings after nine. The Reverend Joe Boot is back with us, senior pastor at the Westminster Chapel here in Toronto. Joe, good to see you again. Good to be back, John. And Greta Vosper, minister at the West Hill United Church and founder of the Center for Progressive Christianity. Greta, good morning. Good morning. I want to talk about something that seems to be fairly progressive and uh, should Canada be following suit? Germany, come November 1st, set to become the first country in Europe to introduce a third quote, indeterminate gender designation on birth certificates. The option of selecting blank in addition to the standard choices of male or female on birth certificates becomes available, as I say, on the 1st of November. It's a legislative change allowing parents to opt out of determining their baby's gender, thereby allowing those born with characteristics of both sexes to choose whether they want to become male or female later in life so they don't get burdened and shackled by a specific designation. It's kind of an open-ended thing. The Germans have decided that they're going to be progressive in this matter. You're from the Center for Progressive Christianity. Greta, maybe help me out here. Is this progressive or uh, is there something else going on here? I think this is a great move. Australia has made a decision to entrench human rights for transgender people. Canada is still sitting on it. Uh, it didn't get through the Senate. Uh, the European Union uh, is considering it, although there's some challenges there. And so Germany has just said, okay, we're going to step out and, and make this call. And I love the fact that it's actually blank. There's another jurisdiction. I can't recall which one it is. It's, it's going to have an M, F, or X. And that one is, I find, horrifying. But a blank is really, really great, and I think that it gives people the opportunity to uh, name their own gender should they choose to or maybe not do it at all. Joe Boot. Well, this is more of the sort of uh, androgynous gender fiction of our time, John. Look, there's a lot of sane listeners out there sat in their cars recognizing that uh, there's many people in their family, in their community, amongst their friends. When they have a baby... The first question that you ask, apart from the weight, is, is it a boy or a girl? And you never hear the response, well, it, it's an it. The, the whole issue of gender, uh, of sexuality, uh, has to do with personhood and our personal identity. And uh, uh, this androgynous ideal that our culture seems to be moving for is not progressive, it's regressive. Actually, it goes right back to the ancient pagan world where you had emasculated priests teaching us to worship... Uh, goddesses um, who were uh, based on creation myths of bi of a bisexual creator. This is there is nothing new about this, but through the cultural Marxism and radical feminist theory, uh, this is being foisted on a, on the public. Look. We all know that there are... We know what sexes mean, right? There's male and there's female. Everybody out there, every parent out there knows they've got a daughter or a son, OK? Except mm. for those who have, who have uh, yeah. both they're sex very, of genitalia when they're born. Right, and which so how are do they very, name that? very few. But, but how do they name that? Well, they're also internal organs that help us understand. It's not whether you've just got an appendage. So we'd have to actually 
Well, if you've got a womb and so you, you have... So you can't say it's a boy. You'd have to do some kind of ultrasound in those very In those very rare instances where there, are, where there are both types of genitalia, parents have to, with the do- consultation with the doctor, determine the dominant... Uh, sex of that child. But the point here is that we understand what sexes means. Gender is a fiction. It's a way of destroying all normativity. There is no such thing as a gender identity. Look, just be- if you didn't go to York University, you don't believe there are seven to 14 gender <laughs> identities, right? You believe there's two. All right, well, Joe's premise, there is a, there's a distinction between sex and gender. Is he wrong about that? Greta? I think the students at York University are going, yay, at this point in time, because I think that they're probably very proud for being able to establish themselves as a community that recognizes a variety of genders. I think that we have to, to move forward and we need to recognize that there are many, many people in our communities that that are negatively impacted by the fact that their gender has been identified on a birth certificate and it is not equivalent with what they identify and see themselves as as early as the age of four. So you don't and want to so prejudge. It's not, it's and, not, you know, I mean, Christianity is great on dualism. I can't understand why they seem to be stuck on the whole body thing at this point in time and saying that there's no reality beyond that. Well, the, the spiritually, first of all, Christianity shouldn't be dualistic. That's enlightenment thinking. Actually, the biblical Christianity isn't dualistic at all. But it is binary with respect to the sexes. We don't buy into the pagan idea of pansexualism or androgyny. And this has become the, the, the this is a regressive step. And uh, it led to social chaos in the ancient world, and it will lead to the same social chaos today. And one of the primary social implications, John, that's very dangerous, is that what we're really asking people to do is we're asking people to accept just a little lie for the sake of political correctness, that we will have this imaginary category called gender. And if people accept, if people accept this little lie... We become a culture of liars and totalitarian states, and this is where it always begins, legally make people lie. That's uh, what they want people to do. Well, Greta's Who's point- lying? Who's lying? We're lying about this concept of, of gender identity. I don't There's think male so. and female. Absolutely we are. Well, why have only you the progressive born into a female body who identifies as a male, why should they have to lie about being a female their entire life? Sorry, what was if someone, that? If someone is born in a female body, identified yeah. as a girl, yeah. and then actually recognizes that they're a man or a boy, well, she's, by the time she's born four, in a female body. But she's not. female. They're yes. not. They don't identify yep. that way. And so you are saying, right, but you're that, saying they that they must, then, uh, that they must live under a lie just, for their entire lives. But just, Why is that, that okay? Because you're saying that there is nothing more to sexuality in our personhood than our, than our sense of individual personal identity, how we self-identify. That's right. That's right. right. Which I is think pure subjectivism. To... So there's no objectivity to anything. You can't have then objectivity in the law. What are we going to do? Who's gonna, what prison are you going to go to if you're committed a crime and you're not sure what gender you are? I how go are you going to have parents one available. trees and <laughs> marriages, locker rooms? That's what it's called, the well, bathroom it, bill. It's come around to that, obviously, in Ontario That's with the Human point. Rights Code and the rest of it, but this has now been uh, what they call in Germany a legal revolution of sorts. I believe it is. I mean, this is It a is. Legal Greta's right there. That's the first thing she said that it's makes sense. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, in other words, Greta wants to see this implemented here in Canada. Absolutely. And I think passports the responsibility well. goes, uh, falls to us to protect our children in any situation. The stupid bathroom bill is a red herring. I mean, it's trying to denigrate the entire process and the entire... Uh, 
It's not hereditary. I've got two daughters, Greta. I don't people. want some boy who self-identifies well, as a female school, turning well, up in my girl's washer, I locker want, room. I want your girls to be able to use a private washroom anyway and not have to be in a great big room with a whole pile of other people. Well, well I don't know, logistically. The GDSB can't afford to keep the schools open. Never mind build separate locker rooms for every gender identity. Maybe we'll have 14 gender... What, we, what are the symbols going to be on the door? Well, there you go. <laughs> we that's, need a cartoonist. You, <laughs> you've got... It's a make-work really. project for some creative mind out there. You mentioned the TDSB. Here's another story for the Culture Warriors. Joe Boot, the Reverend Senior Pastor at the Westminster Chapel in Toronto, and Greta Vosper, Minister at the West Hill United Church. Uh, the Toronto District School Board is, in the coming year, going to look at uh, dealing with obesity. Now, in America, arguably, the epidemic is of greater proportions. No pun intended, but it's 32%, whereas in Canada, it's 30%, and what it is in Toronto proper, I'm not sure. But in America, there's an initiative now to send home what are called euphemistically fat letters. In other words, put families on notice that their kids' body mass index is beyond a certain threshold. And it's uh, getting into a danger zone, childhood obesity, and, you know, all of the offsprings, uh, juvenile diabetes, and, you know, the social consequences with the medical burden that we all have to share. If we translate that to Toronto and the schools, right now it's just for statistical purposes. But can you see an argument made that in Toronto the, the schools would send letters home to the parents uh, and put the kids on notice that, hey, you better start watching how you're comporting yourself diet-wise and things like that? The argument against that now from certain quarters, the predictable quarters, is this would stigmatize the kids and lead to bullying. Joe Boot, what say you? Well, I think in this case, uh, a fat bureaucracy is going to spend a fat pile of money trying to determine who's fat in Toronto, and it's a complete waste of time. Is this it is wrong the, to be placed in the school system? It's a nanny state again. I mean, what business is it of the school determining uh, what parents should be doing in the home? I mean, in the end, not denying that there is a problem with obesity in North America. You only have to walk out into the street and head down the, uh, the drug store to, to, to see that we've got an obesity problem, what is it, 30%, I think, in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. But that is not the responsibility of the school, uh, and it's spending more taxpayers' dollars on determining, you know, who's too fat and who isn't. And by the way, is it going to be, I mean, there's different body fat uh, mass indexes for boys and girls. What's the body mass index for its, by the way? Oh, I mean, if you're, you're dialing either, it back to subject one. If you're either male or female, yeah. well, you know, because the, the muscle content is different. Segue <laughs> I mean, to get back what there, you Joe, do? If you want to get back what's, there, just do it directly. What's the, what's the body mass index for its now, in the school system? Uh, really? Actually, it's really offensive that you refer to people as its. No, this I, is I what this is doing. It's depersonalizing. To refer to them as the state it. is However, depersonalizing people. What would the name be? What would we put? I mean, because they're going to just go back there too. No, I just want to clarify. We want some sanity this morning. This. No, the, I won't. The final point is, you mark X index. instead of M or F for male and female. I don't respect. think you should mark X because X means it's wrong, and I think so. Just blank. Wrong. So just leave it blank. So the royal baby. The I mean, one. instead of naming the royal baby George, it could have been George or Georgette. Who knows? Wouldn't and that be an interesting thing? Maybe they're thing? not as but, progressive. You know, at least Australia, was it Australia that began that process to say that whether it's a girl or a boy, it doesn't matter, it can still accede to the throne. Well, okay, but Kate and William are not as progressive as maybe many of the younger generation You're would have quite hoped. Right. They should have, you see their marriage vows. My goodness. They should have left it open and uh, let the child self-identify. Perhaps they should have done that. Well, they still represent the majority of ordinary Canadians and ordinary British child, folk, not a cultural elite. You're going to impose their nonsense obese, on the rest of us. I yeah. think it's important that someone note that that child is obese and, and help Kate and William deal with it. So I think that the education system has every right to teach of course you do, parents, though. to suggest to parents in the same way that they would 
introduce the opportunity for bicycle safety to families that they could include that with their children. So the state state has a role to play. I think the state has a role, but I think the state's role is to require, I mean, our obesity problem is not a parental problem and it's not a children's problem. It's an industrial problem. It's the food industry that is, that is creating obesity in, in this, on this continent and around the world. No, it is. It's people eating all the pies. There's a very simple way of not becoming obese. It's stop eating all the pies. pies, America, one of the things that the United States is doing now, Will you stop for a Come moment? Come on. One of the things the right. United States right. is Hang doing right. is putting caloric content on things so that people can see it. So you have these little treats that parents buy to put in their kids' lunchboxes, and you say, okay, a child should have X number of calories. So less per time day, on Xbox, less time on the Wii, and actually doing some sport and doing some exercise, Absolutely. which is a parental well, how, responsibility. Joe okay. cares about the masses. He's not suggesting they eat cake. That's the point. Let's come back in a moment and find out how the. Fa- <laughs> well, the folks, done. if they feel that, you know, the state has a role to play in determining what kids eat or uh, how much they eat and putting them on notice. Is this through the school system in Toronto? Would you favor this uh, you know, idea of fat letters going home to the, the parents or with the kids? I yes think, or no? I think educational information should go home with to, with, to the parents, absolutely. Yeah, but Whether if, or not their child is Well, that is, is a identified. form of information. I mean, there's Your a kid, lots of kids. I mean, the entire body image thing, uh, when you want to talk about girls, But isn't that a form horrible. of information? Well, so parents, if parents all right, are hang on to that given thought opportunities here. to reflect hang on, on that, it would be important. We send home report cards that tells you about their intellectual uh, capacity. What about, uh, you know, body mass index? Joe says no, that's not uh, some place for the nanny state to be involved. Let's see what the folks say. The Culture War is back. The Culture Warriors are with us. Reverend Joe Boot, pastor at the Westminster Chapel in Toronto. Greta Vosper, minister at the, at the uh, West Hill United Church. And also the founder of the Center for Progressive Christianity. And uh, we put Greta in the hot seat when it came to progressivism in Germany. They're going to, come November 1st, uh, allow for blank to be the third option in identifying gender or sex. Joe Boot, uh, for his part, doesn't believe there is such a thing as gender. It's fanciful and uh, just a, a man-made creation going back to pagan times. We're reverting to paganism is what you're saying. Why? Uh, all That's right. right. All right. And, and uh, to the other issue about uh, obesity being treated through the school system, or at least the heads up would be given with a letter home to the parents. Uh, first of all, they're not doing that in America. They are, though, and it could conceivably happen in Toronto with a TDSB. Would you support that, or do you think... The school is not the right medium or vehicle to alert parents to this. Uh, Greta does believe the state has a role to play. Joe calls that nanny statism. What do you say? Daniel, we'll start with you. Good morning, Oakley Show. Good morning, John. I'm a big fan. So first of all, just, just, a, just a few points I'd like to make. Number one, you know, maybe as a joke, I said to your screener that the schools should be our pediatric centers for our kids so we don't have to, wa- so we don't have to waste a half a day taking our kids to their pediatric appointments. <laughs> Number two, I think that it's a waste of funds because they're doing this anonymously, correct me if I'm wrong, as well as voluntary, correct me if I'm wrong. Right. So they're not making it standard across the board. So all they're doing right now is just gathering information. That's point, point number two. Point number three, I work in the insurance business on the life and living benefits side, and I can tell you that the body mass index is very, very subjective. Um, it's very different for women and for uh, men. And as well, it's very, very hard to measure kids on a BMI index because they're growing constantly. You know, I went from five foot five to five foot eleven in grade nine, and my weight completely changed because of my growth in height. So I don't know how accurate these studies are doing. My last point to make is that it's your job as a parent to make sure that your kids are eating healthy. That's right. And if you're and if you're not teaching your kids to eat healthy, that's reflective on your diet, and that means that you're not healthy. 
So that's your job. Your job is to pack your kids' lunch, to tell them what to eat, to make sure that they're eating healthy. It's not the school's job, I'm sorry to say. But I, think that, I think that's a that's a great comment. And I have a kid who went from uh, short to tall uh, fairly quickly and changed his body shape entirely as a result of that. And so I did not say that I thought that body max, mass indexing was important. What I said was that I think that information around diet should go home to all parents, just in the same way that bicycle safety does, around all kinds of issues that, that have to do with kids. There are many parents who are ill-equipped to deal with the nutrition requirements of their children. And if if the school system can provide them with support, I think that's important. It's also important to note that $4.5 billion goes into paying for children's, uh, not children's, goes into paying for health problems related to obesity in this province. So you're already paying a good deal for it. And the amount of money that the school boards put into caring for the children's diet will will take that number down and will totally be cost effective. All right. Appreciate the call. Here's Robin Alliston. Good morning, Rob. Hey, it's, how you doing? Good. Listen, um, you know, I think the points that the previous caller were made were absolutely valid. And so much of that, I think the concerns about the implementation of this are real. But I think on the the flip side is, if nothing else, this highlights an issue that's tremendously important. We're in a publicly funded healthcare system. To the point of, you think obesity is costing something you now? I mean, you're seeing heart disease in, in people in their 20s and 30s, where it used to be a disease of people in their 50s and 60s. Type 2 diabetes you're starting to see in, in kids, even in teenagers, where something used to get in their 50s and their 60s again. Our future generation are the people who need to remain healthy that are going to pay generate the, the tax revenue that's going to pay for our health care when we need it. If we're not taking care of our kids now, then you think the economic burden of health care is tremendous. No, it's going to be ridiculous. Hey, Rob, by the way, let me pick up on that point and direct it to Joe because, you know, I, I'm all for individual responsibility as well. But to Rob's point, when you socialize the consequences, mm-hmm. uh, then don't we want to see something addressed where parents are lax or irresponsible in what their kids eat? Uh, yeah, the problem, uh, there's two issues here, John. First of all, you know, to, to continue to invade the, in a sense, the sovereignty of the family and its responsibility for its children. I'm not I'm not against, you know, a, a note going home rem- from school reminding parents about, you know, good nutrition and we- recommending a couple of websites about that. But this is the doc, the family doctor is going to be advising parents uh, with respect to, to diet and, and health, or at least should be. And the very basic things of exercise and fruit and vegetables, really, I mean, it isn't rocket science, you know. And it's not rocket the, the, science, Joe, but it's so many people don't have access to that. Do you know? They don't have access until, to the internet. Up until a couple yeah. of years ago, the Regent Park had no grocery store. It had one corner store that provided the food for the families there. Those families didn't have the opportunity. I mean, we're talking about a... a, a Middle class so if they if they if they can't get here, if they can't get to the grocery store, how's it going to help to have a letter from the school telling them to get the one? Well, I don't know, Joe, but I'm just well, saying it's it's wrong to assume that well, that's everyone a different, has that's access a different to issue. the information and to the and to the food quality that that you think they do. I mean, it, they just don't. So trying to say, okay, this is these are the this is what's going to help your kids. If you've got health, access to McDonald's, to your you, you're in an area where you can get access to 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 reasonable food from no frills. I mean, I, 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 I just, I just don't think it's real. I just McDonald's don't. No well, thrills. because if, if, if an area is populous enough to have a McDonald's, it's going to be populous enough to have a, a store locally where you can buy decent food. You can't tell me that the vast majority of people living in Canada can't buy reasonably 
no, uh, I'm healthy sa- food. I'm Could this also be addressed? Right. We're creating that, that the problem. We're assuming that they all know what healthy well, food is. Well, the reason is, it's and complex that now. And that the access and the ease of preparation all right, but there, there is that available. Greta, it's all right, not necessarily true. No, hang on, true. hang on. You made your point. But now there's the other, uh, I guess, the elephant in the room is that there's uh, they're curtailing physical and health education at the other end. So to send home a letter might be disingenuous when uh, they could have just solved the uh, obesity or at least addressed it in a more meaningful way by implementing mandatory physical and health education. Absolutely. We had a participation program when we were in school. All right. Yeah, I mean, big, I was big, out doing that when I was in school. Thing. It was, you know, cross-country and stuff mm-hmm. in the winter. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we just don't want to – we don't want to do these things things very often anymore because we don't oh, it's unfair on the kids to make them do sport and so I mean, if the school wants to do something useful uh physical exercise where often people i accept in urban centers don't have can often be restricted in terms of the space and access to sporting facilities i think a, a helpful thing that schools did uh, certainly when i was growing up was provide access to physical education but i do think the part of the problem here and the reason callers are interested in this subject is because it does cost the taxpayer with uh, obesity issues in the health service but to to use an illustration from somebody in my own family who wasn't taking his uh, dietitian's advice in the uk his national health service dietitian says i'm done with you i'm not you're not having any more appointments (laughs) right so why it's got to be people have got to take personal responsibility and if you're going to basically eat yourself into ill health, why should the taxpayer okay, pay for it? This is but, another issue now okay, with respect to socialized think medicine. Think about the other end too. Th- we talk about carbon taxing uh, corporate organizations that put carbon into the into the atmosphere because that's poisoning us. So let's talk about about calorie taxing. Oh so boy. that those I mean these organizations. Oh, look, I'm if you tried to sell <laughs> that, who do you think would be the I first know, people flagging that? I not want to hear this. But anyway, the, my Come point on. is but, but really go to the grocery store. Right. Walk down the aisles of right. the grocery store. The junk that is available. You don't there have to eat it. Oh, I see. You, you go after kids. the corporations. I'm saying go after the corporations. Oh, of course. It's the big, bad corporations Absolutely. making everybody eat all the gato and the pies. caloric output, and we tax them for it. I think that's a brilliant <laughs> what idea. What about taxing on body mass index? We, we tax on body mass. <laughs> no, How about- it's not. I'm saying it's not their responsibility. It's well, the corporations. No, I, it's the corporation. They, corporation. they made them, the, they they made them buy the junk. Eat, yeah. Buy it and eat it. Let's go that's to right. Alan Woodbridge. Yeah. Last call on this before I turn to another matter briefly. Al, what do you say? Good morning. Hey, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. And I, I just love listening to Greta because she's such an apologist for the, uh, the individuals that can't take personal responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they didn't have access to, to, I, I to want people to take responsibility for their hang gender. On, Greta, hang on, Greta. You just said that they don't have access to food. And then when Joe made a great point about the fact they have access to McDonald's, and usually in those strip malls, those grocery stores, then you, had to, you had to back up and, and do another turn. The fact is that we don't take personal responsibility. John, you nailed it. We took physical education out of the schools. It should be mandatory. We should not be worrying about little Johnny or little Susie's self-esteem. 60 minutes of exercise every day. As far as the food, that's not the big corporations, Greta. You're right. Each individual family. All right. I just, I just, my mom ran a daycare for uh, socially and economically deprived families. And those kids were not fed well, and a number of them were obese. The situation was that they did not have access to what it was they needed in order to know what to do. So we can blame the parents if we want. But it, I think it's a social problem that we need to find ways to fix. All right, it's by not the way, just the parents' let me, problem. Uh, let me end on this note and asking about responsibility to uh, a community, a broader community. And uh, both here are Christian ministers. And uh, we've got, for example, the Copts, the Christian Copts in uh, 
Egypt are being, uh, well, decimated, frankly, and persecuted, or were up until more, uh, most recently, by the Muslim Brotherhood. And uh, this speaks then to the politicization of your belief system. Do you think, therefore, uh, the military, if you want to call it a coup, or the new government that's been installed, better serves the Christian cops? And therefore, would you support uh, the revolution that upended the Morrissey government that was duly uh, democratically elected, I suppose, didn't rule as Democrats. But, Joe Boot, I'm interested to get your take. I mean, where does the solidarity extend, or do you say, well, that's not our affair, it's halfway around the world, and uh, we'll let things play out after all? You know, there was their Arab Spring, and uh, let the <laughs> chips fall where they may. Is there a responsibility to a global Christian community this way? Well, I think the Christian community has a, a responsibility to other Christians around the world. Um, and uh, that is going on amongst uh, Eastern Orthodox and Coptic Christians and, and beyond. Um, I think part of the issue here is that uh, the Western world, on the whole, Western politicians do not understand Islam. They certainly don't understand the uh, Muslim Brotherhood or the idea of the uh, Islamic Ummah, the w- uh, world Islam, and the goals that actuate uh, uh, groups like the Muslim Brotherhood. And the result is the burning of churches and the persecution of Christians. And there are around 150,000 conservatively Christians martyred every year in these different contexts. So the first of all, the church does have a responsibility for that. And countries which identify themselves as Christian ought to apply uh, political pressure in these different contexts to support uh, persecuted Christian minorities. Barack Obama is quite happy to fly to Africa to uh, try and uh, force his um, politically correct, cultural Marxist, pro-LGBT agenda on Africa. And to their credit, they told him to buzz off, and he's already ruined his social order. Why should he ruin theirs? Uh, But uh, they're very reluctant to actually speak to the defense of people who are actually being murdered around the world uh, uh, today and persecuted. And this is a well-known fact, and uh, Western governments have often ignored it. So, yes, I think that the Christian church does have that responsibility and, and is taking it up, but also governments that identify themselves as from Christian lands should apply political pressure to defend those. Militaristic interventionism is another issue and very often just prolongs conflict, and I think that's a much more thorny issue. Well, yeah, and, and you would say in the context of Egypt, with a military ruling uh, government now, as it were, uh, that in part might be prickly to reconcile. Well, well, I think Pakistan is a case in point. You know, uh, I had a a family who lived in Pakistan for uh, almost two decades, and uh, the most peaceful time for Pakistan in the last 30 or 40 years was under Musharraf, who was a military dictator. Since then, the country has gone desperately downhill. So it's very... We we Westerners look at the world and we say, well, we can impose our, our idea of a liberal democracy on the world, but actually we can't. Okay, I just want, this is very uncharacteristic, but you did call me a Christian minister. The, the reality is that the stories upon which the Christian mm. faith is Progressive Christianity. About, they talk about the, the neighbor and who is the neighbor. And the neighbor is defined as someone who is, even and especially someone who you would not call your neighbor normally. And so I don't, I think it's, I think it's problematic if we send particular faith groups out to care for particular faith groups for their own faith groups. I think that there are persecuted people. The Rohingya in Burma are persecuted uh, people that anyone, all of us, should be looking toward ending persecution of all people and trying to find ways to do that and not doing it based on Would you support or creed or the military, as well. the so-called yeah, military coup in Egypt because it's uh, better for the persecuted people 
than it was under the Muslim Brotherhood. I think that the, the way the coup took place, perhaps, I don't know whether that was appropriate or not, the way the military has been behaving over the last couple of weeks is is astonishingly out of control. And and it doesn't come up to any of the the international ways in which we would well, say who, who, who would better protect protest. the lives of those who are being persecuted i'm talking about the christian cops as a good example of this you're saying uh just let the chips fall where they may I, and they... I think that if we if we blinker ourselves and think that the military because they're called the military are going to do everything right in any country in this world then we have to be we've got to be cautious I is mean, it we fair have, to say they're the have, lesser of the two have, evils we have the the, the well at the moment in egypt there's a choice murder, between a complete social chaos or some kind of uh, militaristic rule. I mean, we're already in a you know, semi-state of civil war. You have to restore some kind of order to that uh, situation. So it's by no means that the military do everything right. I quite agree with Absolutely, Greta there. They yeah. very often do a ton of things wrong. But um, these are complicated situations, and often Western interventionism militaristically just confuses the issues. All right, guys, I'll leave you on that heady note. I appreciate it. Very uh, lively discussion this morning. The Reverend Joe Boot, senior pastor at the Westminster Chapel in Toronto, and Greta Vosper, minister at the West Hill United Church, founder of the Centre for Progressive Christianity. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the Ezra Institute for Contemporary Christianity. Please feel free to share it with friends, but do not charge for or alter the material in any way without the express written consent of the EICC. Thank you.